Well, welcome back, everybody. I have a question for you to start us off today. Is it possible to be a 213-year-old, $22 billion company and still consider yourself to be a startup? Well, today's podcast guest is the Hartford's Deepa Sony, and she would say, absolutely. Deepa's story is one of sacrifice, of breaking through comfort zones, and building confidence in redefining the art of possible. She has answered the call many times in her career, which has spanned amazing companies such as IBM, Key Corp, M&T Bank, BMO, before joining the Harford in 2019. So Deepa, welcome. Thank you so much for allowing us to shine the light on you, to learn from you, to be inspired by you and your incredible journey. Thank you, Dan. Uh, pleasure to be here with you. Well, we're gonna have some fun. And, you know, as I was preparing for the podcast, you know, I put, I. I spend some time with this because I enjoy the process of learning about amazing leaders. And I kept coming across certain themes that, um, you know, I would say that are all things Deepa, you know, that really helped me understand you, your superpowers, um, how you show up different. And I want to start by unpacking your role, because I think it's an important part of your answer the call journey. And you came to the Hartford, if I recall, 2019 and then 2021. Your responsibilities change, or I guess were expanded. So maybe talk about that and what initially attracted you to the Hartford. For those who don't know Hartford, the Hartford is a 200-year-old first property and casualty insurer. We also do group benefits and uh, mutual funds, and we have some really rich history in 213 years of insuring really some. Uh, marquee landmarks like Golden Gates and the Hoover Dam. So um, I came to Hartford, like you said, back in 2019. And um, when the call came from Hartford, I'd been in banking for about 25 years, and I've had the privilege of leading multiple digital transformations. So when the call came, I think the urge to do something different, a little bit different than banking, uh, came up. And as I uh, talked through with the executives here, the culture of Hartford really came through, as well as the opportunity that the insurance industry, as well as Hartford, were at the cusp of digital transformation. And so um, thought it'll be good learning for me to learn a new industry. And I could also apply some of my learnings from banking world into insurance. And uh, I would say four years later, all of that has panned out uh, pretty, pretty good. You know, um, Hartford um, has exceeded all expectations in terms of uh, the culture. It's been a phenomenal culture to work in, work with all folks here. And um, also the ability and the eagerness of the company to embrace technology data and drive digital transformation has been phenomenal. My role today is um, I'm the enterprise CIO responsible for the for the overall strategy, vision, and execution of business uh, technology, data analytics, data science, and cyber. I see my role as um, twofold, being an uh, advisor to the executive team and harnessing the power of tech and data, as well as building a strong technology organization in the, in the company that can foster those partnerships and drive business outcomes at every um, part of the organization. That is quite a remit, Deepa. I mean, that's a lot going on. And I didn't realize 
the Golden Gate Bridge and the Hoover Dam. Those were like one of a kind. Like, how would you even figure out how to ensure that? That's that's amazing to me. And I've got to imagine data plays a little bit in that, right? And all these big decisions you have. Uh, you know, Deepa, we uh, we get a little sneaky here in coming up with some fun people from your past who can uh, shed the light on your superpowers. We call them our mystery questioners, as you know. So I want to start with the first one who knows you well as a CIO and uh, as a leader today. So let's listen in and uh, let's have some fun with this question. Deepa, you have been a tech visionary leader who combined your deep knowledge of technology and business trends to create ideas that advances the strategic goals of the enterprise. You are always looking ahead and pushing the boundaries. You have an eye on talent and support us to unleash their full potential. I have heard you multiple times that being a CIO was not something you planned for and you stumbled upon it, but you're really amazing at it. And my question for you is how and when did you uncover that this is the right next step for you, where you can grow your influence in the industry and leave a legacy for you? Wow, that's Soja. Soja Pandran is um, one of our emerging stars here at the Hartford and um, she's leading some of the cool work with the really deep business impacting technologies. Um, thank you, Soldier, for your kind words. So um, that is absolutely correct. I had uh, never dreamt or planned to be a CIO. And um, I would say my career has really evolved very organically. Uh, two things that have helped me, I think, in terms of the themes that emerge as I look back. One is I was I naturally or organically um, was taking the big picture or the futuristic way for the company. And that helped me grow as a, as a leader. And then second, filling white spaces in the organization, things that were gaps that nobody was doing, but could help the company. And so I always find a, found a way to start doing some of those things that turned out to be more impactful than when I started thinking about those. And I think, so I would say, I would summarize my career totally as a, tale of collection of leveraging opportunities, um, gain hands-on experience along the way. I would say relentless quest to keep creating value for the organizations that I work for, um, keep challenging myself, evolving myself, but also lots of hard work, sacrifices, failures. Um, so I would summarize by saying 99 perspiration and 1% inspiration, but not a well-planned trajectory. So I hope it's comforting for some folks, some audience in your show, Dan, that wasn't a well-planned, executed plan that worked out and I'm here today. It was a lot of um, steps along the way. I think people would be incredibly inspired by that and just realize you don't have to have the perfectly drawn out plan to start the journey, right? It, it's going to come together. Just keep doing great things and go uh, tackle the big, the big challenges. And, you know, one thing... In studying your story. And Silja, thank you so much for your question. She and I met, by the way, at the CIO 100 Awards event this year, where, where she accepted the award on behalf of the Hartford, which is a major, major honor. So uh, immediately just thought highly of her. I'm just glad to include her. So thank you to her. And, you know, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got their own journey. And, you know, I think one of the parts of your journey, you probably wouldn't say these words, but I think it's one of courage. I think it's one of challenging your comfort zone. So take us back to even to maybe the early days of Deepa, you know, and kind of unpack that a little bit for us. 
Yeah, I think um, early days of Deepa was a hard working, but a very naive person who didn't understand all the aspects, you know, of being a leader. Uh, I started my career in consulting and I think it did give me some uh, very early lessons. And the lesson was really the power of continuous learning. Um, you learn in consulting that if you don't have relevant skills, you're not going to get placed on the next nice project and you're going to be on bench. And I think that lesson of being on bench when you're not relevant was was a little bit of a hard hitting lesson. And so uh, for me, that has been a good motivator to keep learning constantly. I think somewhere in that early career, I also learned that if you are going, if you love technology profession, you shouldn't love specific technologies because the longevity of a technology profession is directly related to how many different technologies you can learn. Mm. So that was a powerful lesson where I don't fall in love with the technology, but I love the technology profession. And then a few years into, you know, a few, I guess, chapters into um, my career, it was clear that just technology is not going to cut it. And so I had to get out of the comfort zone of what I knew as a technologist, but really learn the business inside out. And so I took on roles where I had to sit in the mortgage processing shops and cut it underwriting to really understand how banking worked. I led some of the end-to-end process redesign and reimagine back in early, uh, late 2000s. And I think that gave me a perspective for business that I still carry in my DNA today. And then lastly, you know, knowing business and technology acumen is great, but I think the third pillar for me that I had to work very hard was really on the leadership aspects um, of being a technology business leader. Um, had to had to take what what my personality was. I'm an extreme introvert, and so I had to develop a leadership style that resonated with me as a person, but also um, helped me lead thousands of people as I you know started to grow in my career. So I would say it's been uh, again a journey of constantly evolving um, intentionally and getting out of comfort zone and realizing what I needed to work on all along. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, as a leader, part of that is how do we set our people up for success? And, you know, we've talked before about how we operate in a VUCA world, right? Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. I think every leader would would agree we're going to only have more of that going forward. So, you know, for the audience, especially our younger and career folks who are up in commerce, um, What's the muscles? What's the mindset you need to succeed today, um, even thrive in this kind of environment? Yeah, I think if you're you're right, if you are in technology, I think um, the pace of disruption is only going to get worse, faster. And this is the slowest pace of change you're seeing now. So I think that muscle to deal with WUCA becomes really important. And I I consider two or three things, different things. Uh, to pull that muscle. One is agility. You have to be able to respond, react, be nimble to deliver. And uh, the more the business and the technology changes around us, the more you know uh, pressure, I would say, as a technologist, you have to ensure that the, bus- the business can react. I think the second is change, the pace of change, the adaptability. And I often say that change has to be a core competency for a technology organization. Because if we can't, we, technology is usually the one leading change. We have to learn new technologies and bring the part of the possible to the rest of the organization. So I think change 
uh, becomes a core adaptability or change becomes a core competency for uh, to, part of that muscle that we need to develop. And then third is really the ability to experiment and fail fast. There are so many things around us. You can get, like you said, overwhelmed with the complexity, the ambiguity. There is no substitute for trying out a few things, hands-on experimentation, getting smarter, cut it out. If it doesn't work, take it away, you know, if it works. And so I think those three things, the agility, adaptability, and the ability to experiment um, becomes the muscle. And as I think about, you know, our role in the organization, I would say, you know, there used to be a lot of debate about whether technology is the executor or the strategist or whatever. And I feel we have to be strategists, executors, transformationists, you know, um, experimenters and risk takers all simultaneously. We got to figure out what are we doing with each domain? And I think that's part of the leadership is to decide where do we do what strategy? But I think those are all the muscles we need to uh, deal with the disruption that's happening around us. That's incredible. And I think it's a great segue. You talk about change. Um, you know, I think the organizational and transformational journeys that you're leading, I think about um, the context around changing the face of IT. Could you maybe talk about that and maybe some of the pillars that are underpinning that, Deepa? Sure. Um, you know, I, I, maybe I'll step back and say, you know, at the Hartford, the technology and business strategies are totally integrated. So we don't talk about the technology strategy, strategy as separate from business strategy. What we do talk about is pillars, and those pillars are really to help um, drive those business outcomes faster and uh, keep, keep the pace of transformation. So if you think about where we're investing in our technology and data at the Hartford, it's a lot, it's all, it's all about digital, building digital tools, driving digitization of our processes, um, delivering better servicing capabilities to our customers, giving contemporary tools to our employees. That's all the what we work on. And the how is where we're focusing a lot of energy on. So I would say last few years, last three years, you know, we've um, focused on three pillars. I would say we adopted Scaled Agile across the enterprise. That is the core for us to be able to deliver with agility. We've been working on massive modernization and simplification of our technology and data landscape. That also leads to agility. And then the last part is bringing the disciplines of operational systems, data science, data analytics all together for the businesses. So we do uh, come together across different disciplines to deliver business capability. Now that we sort of have a really good foundation there and have done, made progress, I think I would say there are two pillars for us uh, in the next three years. And those are both, I call them step change. One is leveraging through technology, step change in turbocharging the business transformation. And then within technology, the leverage of technology to change the face of IT for us. Business transformation, like I said, is really focused on providing the digital digitization, digital tools for contemporary tools for employees and customer-facing uh, capabilities. Within IT, we have a lot of processes that we're going after with extreme automation, modernization, and that's what I mean by saying it'll change the face of IT as it'll change the, the how we're organized, what we work on, how we work on, who works on, 
and uh, really creating capacity and capability for the technology team to be focused on business outcomes versus toiling in our own processes. See, that's, that's incredible. I'm thinking about the cultural aspects too, right? This is not, culture doesn't happen accidentally. Culture happens intentionally. Uh, how does that play into supporting all that? Before I go to culture, I do want to say the, the technology and data agenda really, you know, is helping us, helping the hardware shape to be a 213-year-old startup. That's where you started, where we're really bringing the power and the scale of analytics, data, technology, AI uh, to change the future of insurance because it's not changing just the future of technology. It's about changing the future of insurance, leveraging these tools. Um, culture. Culture is a key for us. And I would say Hartford, um, as I started in my introduction, Hartford has a phenomenal culture. Um, I call it the crown jewel. And that's because of the culture. We're able to do things that um, a lot of companies would maybe struggle to do. And um, so we want to nurture that part of the culture. And there are two pillars that we've added within technology uh, on our culture journey. One is innovation. And the second is risk-taking. Uh, the culture of innovation is key for us. Um, as we spoke about with the disruption in the marketplace, uh, disruption in the technology world, our ability to be able to constantly innovate for our customers as well as uh, improve our processes is essential. And so we you know, are rewarding behaviors where we go after small I as well as big I. We have a small innovation team that dealing with the big eyes of the world, looking at quantum mechanics, Gen AI and things like that. And then we have small eye that happens across the organization where uh, our delivery teams are actually slotting days where they can do innovation days. And they work on business problems, they work on technology problems, but driving it on a very consistent way. You know, we um, execute hackathons, we have uh, educational sessions, innovation days, Big innovations days, we just last week had a data analytics day where a lot of people, a thousand of our folks actually spent the whole day understanding the, 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 the space around data analytics and how we could embrace change and drive action using those technologies. So a lot of things that foster that innovation uh, culture in the company and then risk-taking. You know, we um, know that perfection could be the enemy of um, a movement base. And so we reward folks that are able to take some calculated risks. We have to know what risk we're taking, but you know we're developing a culture where we reward folks who are taking risks and not um, punish them for doing things that may fail. And but we, we gotta know what we're doing. So um, you know, again, that risk taking is what I would say very judicious. It's cultural, you know, uh, it's a change. So uh, we're not encouraging unjudicious risk-taking, uh, but really focused on making sure that where uh, folks can move faster, can leverage uh, newer technologies, you know, all that culture is rewarded and recognized. You know, there's, some, there's an area that we, you and I have been talking about for a while that we could do an entire podcast on it, Deepa, you know, given your passion around this. And... Uh, McKinsey's writing about three topics right now a lot. Right? If you follow McKinsey, one is the, the CEO role, which is which is a very challenging role. Two is AI, which which we all get that. 
But the one that I find very fascinating is they're writing a lot about middle management. Middle management is a differentiator. Middle management is a force multiplier, which I think really fits into your philosophy. And, you know, they're often undervalued. They're often underappreciated. And I don't think most people realize just how much impact they have on sustaining the changes that you're putting in place. So love to get your perspective on middle management. I love, I love hearing you talk about this. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I think our middle managers are the key to the transformation. And um, I would say we've, we've started doing a whole lot of things, but I think there's more to be done for sure. And, um, you know, the as you lay the vision, as you talk about the transformation, it is import, important that all leadership teams are uh, part of that change. And so we started, you know, doing top 120 leadership forums for the last couple of years. I give a lot of credit to my direct reports in bringing the multiple layers of management into the change management agenda. You know, we've um, invested in a lot of um, in training our folks so that they can be part of the change. And given the golden culture of Hartford, I would say I'm very pleased with how we're um, moving as a whole organization and changing ways of working, adopting newer things, um, being thought partners for the business. I think those are all big elements of change. And um, I would end by saying there's more we can do as leaders. And I'm, I have my eyes on 2024 uh, for that to be a big topic. Exciting. Exciting. Um, our next uh, question is another mystery questioner from someone who knows you well. And uh, uh, like you, very humble leader. And when she was asking the question, she goes, I respect Deepa so much. I really want to hear what she says about this this question. So uh, this question is for her as much as it is for our audience. So let's listen in and tell us who this is. Hello, Deepa. Um, I'd like to pose a question around uh, artificial intelligence, AI, chat GPT, um, generative con uh, conversational uh, AI that is now being touted as the fourth industrial revolution. This has been here for many years. We know this. But it's now getting to a point where it's just hit the tipping point. And it's industry agnostic in terms of how much work is being done in this area. In the financial sector, absolutely, there's a, there's a race on in terms of getting to value, getting to alpha growth, getting to productivity growth, but also the use cases behind how we use this uh, tooling, if you will, and make sure you've got compliance and ethical AI and all of the layers on top of it. How are you setting this up within your company? Um, how are you thinking about this with your business partners? And on the flip side of that, how are you building a team that is looking at these use cases because they're so varied from marketing and distribution driven to very, very core manufacturing driven, if you will, even in the asset management industry. Um, how are you looking at the team build up I'd be interested to understand your perspective, Deepa. So that was Jamie, Jamie Patel, my wonderful boss um, from a few years ago and a great partner and a supporter. Um, great to hear from you, Jamie. She's a wonderful leader herself, very inspirational, bold, courageous leader. Um, Gen AI and AI. 
you know, I would say the Hartford has been a leader and had invested in AI, so I can't take much credit, but um, my colleague here, Paul Drennan, has led the work um, of building a very strong AI capabilities. And um, the way we're set up, we do have a center of excellence, a centralized team that partners across the organization to lead AI, uh, build and lead AI capabilities deeply integrated with the business, deeply, deeply, deeply integrated with the business. And um, when Gen AI came, we had a very strong foundation to really build on. Gen AI demanded even more cross-organizational pollination. And so we did bring our technology, data, data science, uh, information security business leaders all together. And our executive team actually worked together to understand what uh, this technology could do. And so it has been a, a phenomenal experience with the executive team being really engaged and everybody understanding the huge potential that this technology brings. And um, we are, um, you know, and like I said, there's no substitute for hands-on experimentation. So we were very early on, got into a lot of experiments. We're doing six, sprint, six week sprints, learning various parts of Gen AI, various models, various use cases. And we have a team that's ready to operationalize once we like uh, what's coming out of that experimentation. Um, I would summarize by saying huge potential. Um, we understand the huge potential and are very committed to doing it responsibly, and, but we're building on the strong foundation that we had with AI uh, before. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, Jamie, uh, rock star. Uh, we're going to get her on the podcast in 2024. Can't wait. She's been pretty busy like you. And, you know, as we were chatting about you and the questions, she she. I want to weave in a comment she made, uh, Deepa, because I think it's just kind of very telling. It just It's not pa packaged as a question. It's just more of a comment. So just listen in and just uh, react to this from, uh, from Jamie. Deepa is not a pure technologist. Deepa is a person that levers technology to solve business problems. She's in the front line with the business, understanding what they're doing, how they're doing it. And then she's looking behind her in the technology arena to say, how do we solve this using modern techniques, modern architecture? How do we solve this? She's not allowed daylight to be between the business and the tech guys. She has not allowed it. And I would say that's her superpower is really bringing that together. Um, I think that's something she does exceedingly well. That's pretty special. That's pretty, very special and very kind of Jamie to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember earlier a comment you made about early in your career, how you start off in consulting, you know, and I just wonder how is that impacting, you know, how you show up, how you think, how you operate. There's been a theme all this entire chat so far about everything you do. It's business driven, <laughs> right? It's, it's business focused. And so I want to make that point, but you know, maybe there's there's certain power skills. You know, we call we say consulting is influence without direct power. Um, so maybe just kind of talk about that and how that helped you accelerate your career and how you show up every day. Yeah, I think that. Um, so I think there are two themes that at least have been clear in my head around the philosophy um, of what I follow. One is, you know, technology in a company like ours is totally a shared vision. It's a shared accountability. Uh, we exist to drive business outcomes. Um, so 
from that perspective, I think having that business orientation makes sense because that's the role of technology in a company like the Hartford. Um, but the consulting part and being able to influence, I think that that definitely um, that definitely helps. I ran architecture for about 10 years. And um, architecture is one of those disciplines where you do have to influence the rest of the organization without having any direct authority. So I would say um, learned it with a lot of good experiences, but some not so good experiences, how to do that. And I think that helps for sure. Um, I think that that is, um, again, I think the ownership, the co-shared model, the understanding the role of technology, I think those are all the ingredients, but that makes makes it um you know, um, it's core to how what we do today as CIOs, and um, and I would say that's been true in Hartford as well. I do see my role as a as a partner and as a consultant and as advisor and co-owner. You know, we're not doing anything in technology that's for technology's sake. Wow, you know, this next mystery questioner again, someone knows you very well. I think this is going to also help us um, think think like Deepa. Uh, know how you operate. So let's listen in to this third and final mystery question. Sadeepa, I like your patience and pragmatism in collaboration with your peers in C-suite. I know how important it is to you. You are one of those CIOs who understand that to transform IT, one needs to influence what happens outside of IT. So my question is, to be a digital and agile business, every function of a company has to change to be agile, not just IT. Could you share with us how you influenced your CFO, Chief Financial Officer, or CRO, Chief Risk Officer, or Chief People Officer, to change their practices and their functions to help the company and IT to become more agile? That was Vipin Gupta very inspirational CIO by himself. Um, and, uh, you know, we were college mates, but didn't realize, no, that we went to the same school till 20 years later. Um, that's an interesting fact. But um, I've known him, uh, known Pippin for many, many years now. Um, really good CIO and an inspirational leader by himself. Thanks, Pippin, for your kind words. Um, I would say what you said is true. Technologies. Um, outcomes are dependent more outside of technology than inside. We do have to do our share of work within technology, but it is truly a collaboration uh, across the company, across the enterprise that makes makes it successful. And I would say at the Hartford, I've been blessed uh, to have a really great culture and great partnerships. And when we decided to take on transformation, it was a joint uh, business, technology, finance, HR, we all held hands and agreed that we're going to all do our parts to uh, make this transformation real. And I think that has been true. Uh, very few places, in my in my um, opinion, can do that. But Hart the Hartford is one of those places, and that has been very, very um, critical to the success that we've had. I would also give... Um, I would dedicate, I guess, this part uh, to my previous boss, then, um, Steve Yates. He came from USS, USA. I worked for him at KeyBank, and he brought in that business-centric approach to technology that I, I guess, learned a lot from him. And uh, that is core of my DNA today. So I would dedicate a lot to um, Steve Yates. He's been a mentor and a supporter, and I learned a lot from him. 
Wow, what a great honor. Uh, big shout out to Steve and a big thank you to Vipa and Gupta. And I quote Vipin often in my presentations. You know, he's got this great expression around it's no longer about getting a seat at the table, it's about getting the C-suite around the digital table, right? And it's it's a business table, as you've talked about. Um, you know, these things don't happen unless we're we're great at communicating. And so I want to unpack some of my favorite deepa-isms, some of those expressions you use to communicate, to put people inside the cathedral before the first brick is laid, to give that are the possible, um, to get people excited about what's wh where we're going, even though it's uh, it's always going to be fuzzy until we get, get going. Uh, but one of the first ones, uh, you kind of alluded to a little bit, but uh, talk about perfection is the enemy of progress. Perfection is the enemy of progress. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> point, yes. Um, you know, again, uh, as we, as the disruption around us keeps happening, the ability to move, be precise, I think that's what you trade off. With pace, you have to trade off a little bit of the precision. And I think that trade off is what we all need to get really good at. Where do you need what kind of precision or what actions? I think that is part of the leadership evolution. And so, Applying the same level of perfection to everything will paralyze the organization. And I think that's where my thing came up uh, you know, in our ability to take risk taking where it makes sense. And I think being able to decipher where you can take the risk or not, um, but be nimble. I think that's that's where this came from. Yeah, it's so good. This next one, I think we've all got to pay attention to and realize and get out ahead of these things. But you say... Bad news travels faster in the business than it does in IT. That's been my experience. Learned from some bad moments. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you know, as um, as you get more senior um, in the organization, um, you know, IT folks always, I, and I was in this boat, we always are more optimistic that we can solve this problem and it only kept, keeps getting worse. <laughs> and uh, usually the last person to hear about it is the CIO. And, so, so it's a management philosophy. It doesn't happen here, but it's a management philosophy that I always um, talk to my teams and my direct reports to make sure that the communication flows and, you know, um, that everything is not an escalation. Going The communication going up and down is a good sign of a healthy organization. Yeah. This last one, I really appreciate it because it really speaks to your heart for genuine collaboration, for partnering for being that consultative partner and you say if you get me involved early in the problem we are co-owners yeah when do you use when do you when do you talk about that what's the what's the use case there it's it's, it's really around um, my role as a leader is to make my team successful and their team successful and if i'm involved earlier then i can help i can influence i can uh, i'm part of the problem and part of the team that's solving the problem but if it comes to me after everything is blown up, then I'm really not in a position to help. And so this is really inspiring the co-ownership as a leader for me with my teams and extended teams. You know, so with, with these expressions, Deepa, you know, thinking about the power of learning, the power of teaching, uh, what are some of those lessons that you're teaching to the next generation in and outside of your company? Yeah, I think I'm learning as much as I'm teaching. Uh, but I, as I look at the next generation leaders, it's really uh, inspirational to see the, the thought leadership, the smart, how smart they are, how 
bold they are and how purposeful they are in their you know mission of life and careers and both personally and uh, I think my daughters are a great example of that. But as I look at the next generation of leaders, um, you know, two or three things that I I would say is one is know your balance sheet um, strengths and weaknesses and capitalize on your strengths. There is um, also no shame in acknowledging the you know the development opportunities, and I think I do that probably on a weekly basis. I think the second is take risks that I think you probably hear, but I would also say you build that muscle for risk taking as you grow with your experiences. So um, experiences are important. And I also would say you learn the most from your most difficult projects, bosses, peers. So be grateful for them because at that time, it doesn't feel like, you know, it's a nightmarish situation, but at the end of that, you will grow as a person, as a leader. So appreciate that. Keep investing in yourself, keep learning, keep evolving the next version of you. That is that has been great for me. And last thing I would say, if you're in technology, there is no better time to be in technology in shaping the future of your company. This is the most direct impact that you can have. And so seize the opportunity and enjoy the moment. That is powerful. That is that is very rich. We should do a mic drop right there. That's so good. Uh, I love that. I love that. You know, Deepa, one of the one of the special things we do on the podcast is we uh, donate one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in scholarships to our TechLX leadership program, nine month cohort based program, and we love giving our guests the ability to to gift a seat in that program to one of the the nonprofits that you are are engaged in, that you support, that you're passionate about. So does Someone come in mind uh, to mind today for that? I think I'll go with T two hundred. It has been an organization that I got to know in the last couple of years, and um, under Suja's leadership, I think they're doing phenomenal work in empowering women of next generation. So I would dedicate it to T two hundred. I love that, and you know those who uh, listen to every episode, our recent episode with Marina Bellini, uh, she gifted to the T two hundred. Not long ago, Wafa Mamili donated to the T200. And so I think we're hearing a theme here, Deepa. Why is the T200 matter? What what do you do there? What is it? Why is it so special? T200 is um, all about empowering women and bringing up women in technology. So um, it's empowering the peer group as well as the next generation and the amount of volunteering. Uh, that goes on and the amount of support you have in that organization is um, unbelievable. Um, I really, really think that's an asset for our women leaders in technology today that didn't exist 25 years ago when we were growing up. And so it's a very powerful organization for leaning in, getting the support and um, advancing your career. Well, great call. And we're excited with the T200 and and all that's doing and uh, appreciate you and the board and all the great work being done there. Well, we're at kind of the end of our podcast time, Deepa. And I just can't thank you enough for your transparency. uh, You know, just kind of putting it out there, being open. uh, So many golden nuggets we just took away. And the good news is for everyone who follows the podcast next week, we're going to have an article we're gonna to do together on CIO.com. And uh, I've got some some areas I wanna double click on with you, kind of a different track. So 
I want to get into your perspectives around enterprise agility, um, enterprise architecture, uh, extreme automation, uh, enterprise AI, just so many of these topics that you've got a real point of view on. So, so tune into that, read that article, y'all. And um, Deepa, again, thanks so much for making the time to be here. I know you're really busy. Thanks, Dan. And uh, thanks for all the mystery questions. Those were very surprising uh, contacts. And uh, kind words from a lot of people it means a lot. Thank you so much. Outstanding. We'll see you all next time. Thank you. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolet and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.